Um, we are in the middle of our series of If You Could Be New. So how are the New Year's resolutions coming, guys? How are they? Anyone giving up already? You're just okay? <laughs> how many of you, any of you got for your New Year's resolution want to quit a bad habit? Maybe, maybe you finally said, okay, I've got to quit smoking or biting my fingernails or binge watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. Whatever your bad habit is. Okay. Maybe it's time where you're like, okay, I need to quit this. I need to quit this bad habit. But how, how do you quit a bad habit? And, and a lot like weight loss and getting healthier that we talked about last week, there are a ton of answers out there. If you just Google how to quit a bad habit, you are going to get so many different answers to that question. Okay? And so one answer, for instance, was introduced this past week at the Consumer Electronics Show. It's this thing called Pavlock. Okay? And so th these guys have their answer to how to quit a bad habit. So this is a wearable that you wear on your wrist. And it gives you a shock whenever you do your bad habit. Okay? I, I kid you not. It's smartphone connected. So, like, if you schedule to go to the gym and you, don't go, and you aren't actually at the location of the gym at that time, your watch will shock you. <laughs> I know. And that's their answer. And, and they, they've got some science behind it and, and all of that. Well, okay, if that sounds exciting to you, and it, costs, it costs $250 for this wearable to zap your wrist. Okay? If that sounds exciting for you, I've got an alternative. Okay? For only $200, I will sell you my AFSB, okay? my analog flexible stretching band. It's hipster approved. Eternal life battery, you never have to charge it, and it works very simply. Okay, you put it on your wrist and you snap it. Okay, <laughs> that's basically a $250 rubber band on your wrist. <laughs> okay, so hey, go for it. But, but that's, that, that's their approach. Now, if you look at science, that's, that's basically what's called aversion therapy. Aversion therapy, which it means, and, and the basic premise of this is every time I want to reach for a Diet Pepsi, I snap my wrist. And if I do that enough times when I reach for a Diet Pepsi, I don't want to reach for Diet Pepsis anymore. That's called aversion therapy. And, and now, it, it was all the rage a, a couple decades ago, but there's a problem is that the long-term effectiveness of aversion therapy is really questionable. It's, it's kind of sketchy on the science, and it doesn't have a whole lot of backing, so I feel sorry for the Pavlok people because this thing will not will not do well. I already found it on two lists of the five worst products at Consumer Electronics Show. So poor Pavlock guys. Oh well. Um, but neuros neuroscience is actually one of the newer fields when it comes to when it comes to looking at habits. That's brain science. Okay, so you actually have brain scientists about studying brain science. So uh, those are clearly some smart people because they're studying smart people. And so, but neuroscience, what's really interesting about neuroscience is over the past couple decades, they've really added a lot of insight into this question of how do you break bad habits? Particularly, what neuroscience has contributed to this is this discussion of what are called neural pathways. So neural pathways, oh, first, you mind if I get a little sciencey here, okay? All you science geeks out there, you're going you're to enjoy it. Okay, I'm getting, th I'm getting th thumbs up here. So, so here, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to geek out on you a little bit and, and get sciency. So neural pathways are like super highways of electrical information. They go between sections of your brain and they transmit information. 
And the way this, so, so there's kind of the dummy's version of, of what neural pathways are. And the way, the way behaviors work is the more you do something, the more that superhighway gets reinforced and the stronger it becomes. So if you think about a bad habit, okay, you're at work, it's a stressful day at work, you're getting stressed, you got a 10-minute break coming up, so you know what you're going to do. You're going to go outside, even on a day like today, you're going to go out for a smoke, because that kind of relaxes you a little bit. And every time you do that, the neural pathways that are associating with stress are now associating with the resolution of that stress, which is smoking. And the more you do it, the deeper those neural pathways get ingrained, okay? I want to give you a little example of how that works, okay? And I'll use me and my, my Diet Pepsi illustration because that's sort of my go-to illustration here. So, so, me and, so I, I like Diet Pepsi for any number of reasons. I use it as a reward. I use it to comfort myself. I also use it with certain meals. I think just go great with soda other, rather than other meals. And, and so every time I encounter some stress and I respond to it by going to the fridge. Okay, so this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. No, okay. So this is your brain. And every time I go to the fridge in response to my stress, I create a neural pathway. And when I do it again, that neural pathway gets repeated over and over and over and over. And you can see the more you do this, the deeper this behavior gets ingrained into your brain. That's kind of how neural pathways work. And that's how habits are formed. So rather than saying that the behavior modificationists will say, to fix a bad habit, you need to stop doing the bad habit. Neuroscientists won't say that because there's a problem about our brain. These neural pathways don't really work by stopping. You, you can't really stop neural pathways. But what you can do is you can develop alternate pathways. Our brain, and here's going to be the biggest word you'll hear all morning, our brains change a lot. It's called, called neuroplasticity. Thankfully, our brains are constantly changing. New pathways are developing and changing and getting stronger and weaker and all of that. So unlike foam, which there's no way I'm going to repair that, okay? unlike foam, our brains do change. And the more that you develop another neural pathway, the more this one gets filled in and the weaker it gets and the shallower it gets. So neuroscientists would say it's not about stopping a bad behavior. It, it's not about stopping this neural pathway. It's about creating a new neural pathway, a new solution, a new behavior to replace the old behavior. Following so far? This hasn't turned into like a, an episode of Scientific America or anything, okay? So there you go. So that's the premise of neuroscience. And that's what they've really brought to the table, a very important piece, that the way our brain works is our brain doesn't really stop neural pathways. Our brain creates new ones, and then the other ones, kind of like a scar, they just start to fill in and they start to weaken. Okay? So enough of that. So... So you ask the question, you want to know how to break a bad habit? 
The brain scientists will tell you, you need to figure out why you're doing that habit. You need to figure out what that habit does for you and develop an alternate neural pathway, an alternate habit that can eventually supersede, can eventually take over from your first, your bad habit. And not surprisingly, the Bible actually says the very same thing. The Bible actually says the very same thing that neuroscientists have been saying in the last few decades. That a lot of people see the Bible and see Christianity as a whole list of don'ts. And maybe you even grew up like that. Going to church and you heard from your pastor, you heard from your parents, okay? That good Christian people don't drink, don't dance, don't smoke, don't cuss, and don't go out with the people who do. Okay? The Christian was all about your list of don'ts. And church became a place where your pastor told you things you're not supposed to do. Okay? And while it is true, there are plenty of don'ts in the Bible. I actually believe the Bible is far more full of far more important do's. And if you think about from the brain science perspective, to simply don't smoke don't overeat. It's kind of like saying, don't use that neural pathway. Our brain doesn't work like that. But instead, what the Bible does say is do these things. Establish new neural pathways. Do this. Do that. And, that's, and so the Bible actually has a whole lot more important do's than I think it has don'ts. And one, one of the failures of American Christianity, particular, particularly conservative evangelical Christianity of the past 40 years, has been that in America, we have, the church has focused a lot more on the stuff you're not supposed to be doing rather than the stuff that you are supposed to be doing. So we're going to look at a passage here. We're going to look at a chunk of Scripture. And it's actually a pretty big one. Because I started with a smaller chunk of, passage, uh, of Scripture here. Out of, it's out of the book of Colossians. And I started with a little section, just a few verses. And it was a whole list of don'ts. But the more I read it, I was really unsettled about it all. And then I said, you know, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to read a bigger section of Scripture. And then I was like, whoa. It's not about the don'ts. It's actually got the do's. So we're, we're tackling a pretty big chunk here. So you're going to have to ride with me here. But, but you guys are a smart crowd. I can see it in your eyes. Okay? So I think you can handle this. No. So it's going to be a large chunk of Scripture here. And we're going to divide it up into a few sections. We've got kind of an introduction section. And then we've got sort of the don't section. And then, we, then Paul shifts to the do section. And this is out of Colossians chapter 3, and in this particular set, section in the book, Paul is talking about the ways of Christian life, how to live a holy Christian life. And he starts off, and this is, starting with verse 1, this is the section of how he describes of how to, to live the Christian life. Now, if you were here last year, you might notice some of this language is pretty familiar to what we talked about last year or uh, last week, and in fact, Paul, Colossians, Paul wrote Colossians first, so he actually used this material when he was writing his next letter that we studied last week. We're just doing it a little bit of reverse order here, okay? So let's take a look at Colossians three. We're going to start at verse one, 
And last week, if you were here, I, I read out of the ESV, the English Standard Version. And I thought that did a, a really good job of getting to some of the details we talked about last week. This week, I've actually switched. This week, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation, which is a bit looser of a translation. It's a bit easier to understand. And the reason I switched for this week is this is a big block of Scripture. And we're, we're not going to go kind of word-by-word detail like we did last year. We're going to take big ideas. So I thought NLT works great for picking out big ideas in a passage. So I thought I'd run with that this week. Okay, so if you'd like to follow along, so it's going to be Colossians 3, chapter 1, in the NLT version. So make sure to change that in your app there. Okay, so here we go. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Okay, we're going to pause there. That's his thesis statement. Remember writing in high school, you have to start with your thesis statement, then you get to your three body paragraphs, then your conclusion. Paul, Paul kind of works the same way. This is his thesis statement. Set your, thing, set your thoughts on heavenly things, not earthly things. And now he's going to elaborate. So let's continue. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So there's a little reference to the, old, the end times there. Okay? So now he's going to start talking about the earthly stuff that we're supposed to not be focusing on. Here we go. So put to death the sinful earthly things, there's their word, lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Now let's look at this list again. Okay? Here's the list of the things that Paul was talking about. These earthly things that we shouldn't be about setting our attention on. In many ways, we can kind of think of this as the bad habit list. And whatever bad habit you might be trying to quit right now, you can just throw up onto that list. Okay? Who knows? It might even be up on that list already. But if you've got a bad habit that you're trying to quit, chances are really good that it's a pretty earthly thing. It's not one of these heavenly things that Paul's going to talk about in just a moment. It's an earthly thing. And Paul says, listen, Stop paying attention to the earthly things. And in fact, he, he, here are some of the words he associates with this list. Put them to death. Have nothing to do with them. Get rid of them. Those are the things that Paul talks about, about that list. He's saying, don't shift your attention on those. Instead, shift your attention on these. Let's continue with the passage. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. 
And there's the newness. The, the title of this series is, If You Could Be New, guess what? If you're a follower of Christ, you are new. You don't have to wonder if you could be new. You are already new. And Paul says, because you're new, don't look at that old stuff. Don't look at that earthly stuff. I've got better stuff for you. Okay? And isn't this is last line, isn't this amazing where he says that you can be renewed? Isn't that the dream of New Year's? January 1, that we can be renewed? And here's how, how you do it. The more you know, the more you learn and you know about God, the more you become transformed, the more you become renewed. Now that's an amazing promise. The more you know and learn about God, the more you become like him, and the more you become renewed. So if you're not sure where to start, you can start by learning more about God, learning his character. And we do that by reading the Bible. Okay? So let's continue. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Now, we don't have time to kind of dig into what, what's that whole list, but basically I think you get the idea. You think the, the divisions that we create don't really matter when you are in Christ, because Christ is all that matters. Okay? Now he's going to shift and start to talk about heavenly things. Here we go. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, you must clothe yourselves with, here we go, tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds all of us together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for members of one body who are called to live in peace and always be thankful. I love how he just adds that one on at the end and be like, oh, I forgot that one. Hey, and always be thankful. Okay. <laughs> so look at that list. Let's pull up that, that list here. Look at that. Tenderness, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love, harmony, peace, thankfulness. These are the heavenly things that Paul is saying turn your attention to. These are the heavenly things that we should be focusing on. These are the new neural pathways we should be building. And those old neural pathways, we can't, it's not good enough just to stop the bad stuff. Here is where we actually start to build new neural pathways the new stuff, with the stuff of heaven, with the stuff of new life. Because quitting a bad habit is not about quitting a bad habit. Quitting a bad habit is about replacing it with a good habit. And here's a list of good habits that are worth pursuing. So, so I want to do, do a little experiment here. I've never really quite done anything like this in a sermon before, but I, we're going to do a little audience participation here. And we're going to brainstorm collectively on how to apply this advice from Paul 
onto a particular habit, okay? So let's pull, the, put that, pull that list back up here, okay? So here's our list, okay? Now, I want us to come up with a habit that we want to try to break, okay? Go ahead and shout one out. Eating sweets, okay, okay. Let you, should we do eating sweets? Okay, all the ladies are like, no, we shouldn't do it. Okay, and even the guys are like, okay, okay. There we go, eating sweets. So that's going to be the habit that we break, okay? So first, so now let's talk about the neural pathways. What might be some of the neural pathways that we have built on why we eat sweets? In other words, what are some of the reasons we eat sweets? Okay, shout them out. Okay, we're depressed. What else? Say again temptation. What else? We're bored. We're hungry. Okay. Okay. That's got, so let's pick a couple. Let's pick, let's pick um, depression. I think we, okay, we, we all go to the cupboard when we're a little depressed. Okay. And let's do bored. Okay. I think I, I, am a boredom eater. Any other boredom eaters out there? Okay. Yeah, totally. Okay. So, so let's do depressed and bored. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, can you grab that water? There we go. A little break here while I grab a drink. Because I'm depressed. And the chocolate? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. So, I've got a brain here. See, that was your brain. This one's my brain. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, I, okay, we've got a brain here. So, we've got some neural pathways of eating sweets. Okay. So, bored. So, we start to get, or first, bored. We start to get bored, and we start to develop a neural pathway for boredom. And if we do this enough times, we start getting a pretty deep pathway. Okay, now depressed. We start getting depressed. Oh, boy, that's going to be a big neural pathway. We're like, we're digging. We're digging deep into our brain here because we start building that. So we've got these huge neural pathways in our brain saying that, boom, you're, you're depressed, boom, hit the cupboard. You're bored, boom, hit the cupboard. So now, let's brainstorm. Collectively brainstorm. If you could pick two things on this list that could help. Let's, let's do, let's do, um, let's do uh, stressed first. Or what, what was it? Not stressed. Pr- depressed, yeah. Okay, let's do depressed first. Okay, let's take a look up at our list here. What is an alternative path, neural pathway that we could develop with a heavenly characteristic. Which one of these do you think would be good to deal when we're depressed? Okay, thankfulness. Okay, good one, good one. Okay, other ideas? Forgiveness. There we go. Maybe we're holding on to a lot of that resentment. Okay, and it's getting us down. Okay, there we go. I think, I think thankfulness. I think that's a good one. Let's, let's do that. Okay, so as an alternative, when we get depressed we go to the cupboard. As an alternative, when we start to feel depressed, we start to think about what we're thankful for. We start to think about what we're thankful for. And now watch how this happens, okay? So, so here's our really huge, deep depression. It's a depression, depression. Get it? Ah, there you go. Okay, so, so here we go. So now, instead of responding to the cupboard, which is down here, we're going to form a new neural pathway, okay? I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for the country I live in. I'm thankful, God, for how much you've provided for us. I'm thankful for the educational opportunities I have. 
I'm thankful for having friends that love me. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. And imagine how your brain can be rewired by developing a new neural pathway, by focusing on heavenly things. And that's how it works. That's how it works. For us to be able to shift our attention from earthly stuff to heavenly stuff. Because quitting a bad habit is not about quitting a bad habit. Quitting a bad habit is about replacing it with a good habit. We replace, we replace boredom with interaction. We call a friend, not just text a friend, we call a friend. We leave the house. We start a new, that project we've been wanting to do for months. You pick up that hobby you've been dying to start and watch a few YouTube videos to figure out how to do it, okay? But that's what, how breaking a bad habit is all about. It's about developing a new habit. And, you know, and it's interesting as, as, I, as I think about that idea because change is hard. Change is hard. That's why breaking bad habits are hard because they're deeply ingrained to our brain. So change is hard. Okay? And I think one, one person who really knows this and has a rather tragic story um, is this guy. I don't know if you've been following the news lately about this guy's story. This is Jared, the subway guy, or actually I should say Jared, the former subway guy. Um, so, and if you're familiar with his story, you've probably seen his commercials. Um, but about, so about 15 years ago, he lost over 200 pounds eating subway sandwiches. He became a national spokesman, multimillionaire during this time. And over the past year, some, some revelations came out and some charges were brought up against him. Charges of child pornography and having sex with minors. He has now not only been accused but convicted of, of multiple counts of both of those charges and has now been uh, sentenced to 15 years in prison. Uh, parole up in 14. And that was actually on the low end of, of where he could have landed. So here's a guy who was riding high for 15 years. To, kind of to go from nobody. Lost a bunch of weight. Got healthier. Wrote books. Was on all the talk shows. And then it came out that over this time, he was involved in some pretty messed up stuff. So here's a guy who broke a bad habit. And he kept the weight off for 15 years. He was contractually obligated to, but still he kept it off, which kind of beats my record. Okay. So he broke a bad habit really well. But what's interesting that came out in the investigation, as the police and the FBI were looking into this, was that this hypersexuality, this sexual addiction, began about 15 years ago. It wasn't really a part of his life before he lost the weight. And then he lost all of this weight, and then he started to develop this hypersexuality of, of not just having a lot of sex, but really going in some pretty deviant and illegal ways and manipulative and abusive ways. 
And, and what's interesting, when you look at the way the psychologists have talked about this, in fact, in his, his defense attorney brought in a psychologist who actually said he traded one addiction for another. And it was really sad. Because here's a guy who knew how to quit a bad habit. But he didn't know how to start a good habit. Because when you quit one bad habit, if you don't replace it with another good habit, another bad habit is just around the corner. And whether, whether you trade gambling for sex, or you quit p porn and start drinking, or you quit trying to criticize your spouse, and then you start keeping secrets from them. It's that trade-off. And that, that, I think, is the, the biggest tragedy of Jared. Is he quit one bad habit, but he never knew. He, he didn't learn the lesson from the neuroscientists, and he didn't learn the lesson from Paul. That quitting a bad habit is not about quitting a bad habit. Quitting a bad habit is about starting a new habit. And that's probably my best advice for you. And for me, when it comes to wanting to be new for the new year, if you've got a bad habit, you need to pour some energy and some thought into understanding that neural pathway and understanding what goes into that pathway and starting to come up with an alternative one and start building. And the only way you do that is one decision after another. You can't build, like in your brain, you can't build four-lane highways. It doesn't work like that. It's more like, like a video game. You start with a dirt path. You score enough points, the dirt path gets upgraded to a paved road, which gets upgraded to a two-lane road, to a four-lane road, to a highway. The more you do it, the deeper ingrained that path is going to be, and the easier it's going to be. Um, if you ever try to start something, it's hard to start, but if you keep it up, it gets a lot easier. That's neural pathways at work. That's God's plan. The more you do the heavenly things, the easier they get because they get more and more ingrained into your brain, into your heart, and into your soul. So remember, quitting a bad habit is not about quitting a bad habit. Quitting a bad habit is about replacing it with a good habit. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, you are a transforming God in that you, while you do not change, you transform us. Lord, so we pray for your transforming hand. We pray for your renewing hand in our lives. Lord, and for those, those habits that have kind of have a hold on our spirit, have deeply ingrained into our brain, we pray for your intervention. Holy Spirit, who is inside each one of us who is a follower of you, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, move in us. Give us the courage to make the first changes. Give us the strength to make the second and the tenth and the twentieth decision over and over again. Lord, so that in the way that you have designed and created our brains, that we can set our minds on heavenly things and not 
on earthly things. Lord, so I pray for every person here who has a habit that has a stranglehold on them. There is freedom in Christ, and so I pray freedom on every person here. And let their hearts and let their minds be set on great heavenly things. Lord, and I thank you. I thank you that you love us, not for anything that we do, but for exactly who we are, your creation. In the name of Jesus, I pray these. Amen.